Welcome to the CP4G podcast. The Change Politics for Good conference took place on the 29th of February 2020. The sessions were recorded and you can find all the discussions here. The discussion you are about to hear is called New Parties, New Campaigns, New Think Tanks. The speakers are George Huar, Joanne Mulvena, Colin Lambert and Dennis Hayes with Laura Bierre Nielsen as chair. Enjoy. Right, hi everyone. Um, so my name's Laura Bierre Nielsen. Uh, I am co-founder of UKLeft.eu and um, welcome to our groups on new campaigns, organizations, political parties. Um, just to let you all know, all sessions are being filmed and recorded. Just want to tell you guys that. Um, just before we start, um, I'm going to stick in a nice plug for UKLeft.eu because I'm going to try not to get too involved with this. Um, essentially, uh, our organisation, which I set up with my dad, actually, Henrik Ovegaard Nilsson, um, which he mentioned earlier, is all about trying to talk to people who don't agree with us, which I think is something, as Brexiteers, we fail at quite regularly. We only talk to each other. So moving outside the echo chamber, we're going to places where everyone hates us, i.e. universities and sixth forms, um, because we're strange people and like to be punished and um, going into schools and universities, talking to sort of 16 above and trying to influence them with centre and centre-left Eurosceptic views because almost 80% of them consider themselves centre-left and over 80% of them would vote to remain in the European Union if there was a second referendum. So those are the people we've got to target if we don't want to rejoin the European Union in 20 years. So, you know, we've got to think about the long term as well as the short term. So I've stuck a few pieces of paper around on people's tables if you want to sign up. Um, it's purely to help us with our cause. It's nothing financial, it's nothing scary, it's literally just for a bit of help. So um, you're very welcome to sign up and you can chat to us all about it. And my dad just walked in, so if you want to grab him, you can chat to him about it as well. Um, so that's my little plug for UKLeft.eu. I'm going to go on and just introduce you to our wonderful panel. Um, we I have just had, we've had a change, Brendan Chilton unfortunately is not coming, um, but we've got the best replacement you can possibly find, uh, Dennis Hayes here. Um, so he is Professor of Education at the University of Derby. He is the founder and director of the campaign group Academics, which works for academic freedom, and he is on the advisory council of the newly established Free Speech Union, so we can all ask him about that in a bit. Um, on my right, we've got jo Joan Malvena, who is chair and founder of Leavers of Greater Manchester and member of the Communist Party of Britain, Marxist and Leninist. Um, we've got Colin Lambert on my far right, who is former Labour parliamentary... Um, sorry? Far right. Oh, sorry. My far right. You know what? You take from that what you will. Um, as I'm about to say, former Labour parliamentary uh, secretary and former Labour leader of Rochdale Council and former Brexit Party um, parliamentary candidate. Far left, I've got George Hoare, who is on steering group member of Full Brexit, which I'm sure you all know. Uh, he is co-author of an introduction to Antonio Gramsci, which I'm not sure we'll come on to. Um, and he is co-host of the Bungacast. Don't ask. Um, it's a cool podcast, so you can ask him about that, I'm sure, at some point. Um, so I'm just going to kick everything off. It's going to be pretty similar to uh, the other discussions, so I'm going to try and get as many people in as possible. Um, but I'm going to start off with a quick question to the panel, get everyone to start talking, and if you're interested to jump in, just stick your hand up and I'll try and get a microphone to you. Um, so our first, my first question is, is there actually a point in setting up any new organisation as Brexit looks like it's going to be done by Boris, which... If this question is no, then we can all go home. Um, so uh, I will start off with Joan. Um, well, yes, definitely. There is every point in setting up um, new groups and continuing with our existing ones. 
Um, I think um, one of the big things that's come out in our discussion so far today is that we don't just sit back and wait to see what happens. We have got to take responsibility. We have got to demand that what needs to be done is done. And it's sorting that out. That is what democracy is. We need groups, I think, that are based in localities. But oh, sorry. Yeah, we need groups that are based in localities and in industries very much. So I think fishing for leave is an excellent example. People who know their industry know what's needed and are congratulating the government when they do the right thing and then telling them exactly what they also need to do. And the more of us do that, the more we are genuinely taking control, we're seizing control, and that's what we need to do. And what have you seen with Leavers of Manchester? Oh, sorry, you can't hear anything, oh, sorry, can't hear, well, can't hear anything at all. It's totally our fault. I would start again, but it was all very boring. So um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be that. <laughs> you missed the bad bits, don't worry. Okay, um, uh, tell us a bit about your experience, because you started Leavers of Greater Manchester. That's right. Um, um, we started uh, in November 2018, when Lucy Harris set up... Um, her website, Leavers of Britain, which enabled sort of do-it-yourself, setting up a group and advertising it. And um, I was champing at the bit. If, you don't, if people remember that far back, we had the, <laughs> the Remainers were getting all the coverage. There was a lot of money obviously going into um, grassroots and other sorts of gr groups that were pro-Remain. And Leave seemed to have packed up shop after the referendum. <coughs> and we'd all, all gone quiet. So um, I was delighted to be, have something, and um, myself and my husband, we, we decided to pick the Weatherspoons pub. We put it on the website. Um, we told several friends, only two of which turned up, but another um, um, 11 people turned up, I think it was, at our very first meeting, and I see it, some nodding people here who were at that. And it was such a delight to meet each other. We would not have been able to make contact easily in any other way. So that started it off, and straight from the beginning, our group didn't want to just be a social group. We wanted to be active. We wanted to do whatever we could to ensure a clean break from the EU, which at that stage just seemed to be taken away from us. It seemed to be drifting off, and it's just such a delight that we ha feel we have had some, some success. So I'll pass on to George now. It's very, very difficult to hear at the back. Can okay. You can you hear me at the back? Is that all right? Uh, Louder. Um, oh, Does God. Just stand up and use that. That makes it better. We'll Hello? try a different one. Can you hear me now? Yeah? Okay. 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 We'll use the handheld then. Right. So the question, should, should we look to start a new party, a new movement of some sort? Um, I think from my, where I'm coming from, <coughs> is the left-wing the left lead position. Um, and I definitely don't feel politically represented really whatsoever. Um, and I think we have to grasp that there was, it was basically a failure to make very strongly the left-wing case for leaving the EU, which I think is an extremely strong one. Um, so that's what I think we should, if we are starting a new organisation, that should be at the core of it. Um, the defence or the extension of Brexit into ideas of economic renewal, ideas of democracy and ideas of sovereignty, which the contemporary left, as represented by the Labour Party, which I now think is decisively a Liberal Party, um, is in the next decade is not really going to look to to represent. So I think there is a there is a real job to be done. I mean, it's it's obviously easier said than done, though. Do you want to pass along? We're entering and we're entering a new age, and it's an age of experiment. Right. I would say that's how you should take that phrase away. An age of experiment. Brexit has opened that up for people, and you shouldn't be scared of it. You should be excited about it. 
It doesn't matter whether you try and recreate an old organization, which I don't think will work, by the way. They tend to be zombie organizations. You've got to really try and do something completely new. Now, I was the first um, joint president of the University and College Union when it was created many years ago. Um, I nearly got sacked about a week after that because I'd written something critical about institutional racism, which wasn't allowed. So three things not allowed in the unions. Then I set up Academics for Academic Freedom, which it, it gives the unrestricted right you know, to express yourself without fear of offending anybody. And, but trying to get academics to sign up to that was really, really difficult. So that's an issue. So the coming of the free speech union has already actually changed things. More and more academics are, are getting involved, signing up to our petition, and actually offering help. So things have changed. I mean, the free speech union has got an, a, an advisory body for, for people from the left, um, like um, Douglas Murray, and people from the right, like Claire Fox. And um, <laughs> I could go on. I'm trying to do irony, but you know, one thing about the failure of the university system, you know, when Murray spoke, um, uh, no, they speaks early. Universities don't do irony, but I'm just give a story <laughs> to show you how bad it got in universities. <clears throat> one, one university professor, Thomas Doherty at Warwick, got um, suspended for six months for a very serious crime. Do you know what it was? I know, I know, no, not thinking. I know, <laughs> I know that Cheryl does. It was a three point crime. One was sighing, right? the second was body language, and the third one was the use of irony. Now, you can tell it's a Russell Group University because they knew what irony was. <laughs> but that was because he'd done critical things, and that's what they got him on. So you can, if you can be got for sighing, they say it's bad. But and on one really good note, that setting up new groups, something's happened that I've never come across in the last year or so, is that students you know, don't go home and cry to their mum, as somebody mentioned earlier, but actually setting up free speech groups of their own. So Buckingham recently, James Oliver who told me he'd heard me speak, which might, I won't say, it was the cause of this, but set up a fantastic free speech society. There are other ones in Bristol, Goldsmiths, all over the, the UK. So that's a really good sign. They're experimenting, they're having difficulties, so that's what we should take from this meeting. It's time to experiment. Um, just to throw it into the mix before I pass it on to Callum, um, Colin, um, you were obviously a parliamentary candidate for the Brexit Party. The question is, what does one set up, right? Which I'm sure is something that all of you have want to ask. Because the Brexit party, if we look at success, didn't get any MPs. Does that mean we failed? It's a question that we should all ask ourselves. And if it did fail, then what tactics should be employed to make some form of success? Or do we not need to be in Parliament to have a political influence? So something to just throw into the mix as you were a parliamentary candidate. Thanks, Laura. Um, not so sure I thank you for uh, describing me as on your extreme right. <laughs> but that's another one. Uh, I'm centre-left and proud to be left and Brexit. And I think that's important for the future and where we're looking. See, Mike, Mike. can you hear? Can you hear at the back? Yeah. Can hear now, right. What's left? Well, politics has been forever changing. Over the last 40 years I've been involved, politics has been changing, but nothing has bloody changed. Why? Because the elite have kept control of that rebel within us. We've got to change that. It's important we remain part of that political change for the future. I'm afraid the Brexit party is probably over. But Brexit and the policy issues of democracy are not over. And it's important we are part of that change in the future. Otherwise, the rebellion will pass us by. Be part of what energy is out there, be energised by it, and let's take it forward as a political group and a political organisation. 
Does anyone want to come back on that? Or does anyone from the audience want to come in? Right, okay, so we'll start with a couple of points and then we will pass it back over here. So these two gentlemen at the front here. If you could, st- sorry, if you could stand up because it's being filthy. That's yeah, right. Sure, Thank you. Sure. <clears throat> I, th- I think I, I think there's a lot that we can do, and I think we've got a lot of uh, big issues to deal with. The, the question of the public's role in public life and democracy is being challenged uh, in many areas. So if we look at the issue of climate change, for example, uh, our local council uh, just declared a climate emergency. We live in an old, I live in an old mining area in Wakefield, and they banned fracking and declared a climate emergency. I'm not consulted anybody locally about this. They were lobbied by um, consult- green consultants and uh, Extinction Rebellion, and then that coincided with you know people encouraging children to go out and strike. So the authorities that are used, the authority around this policy is not a public mandate, it's not winning an argument, it's not consulting the local population. It's saying, well, the experts are saying this, or an abstract science is saying this. And then they say, uh, and, and we're looking after the, the future of our children. So, the, so for democracy to mean something, firstly we have to be publicly engaged in determining policies that really matter to us, and hold those people accountable to us. Uh, and secondly, the authority on which they make decisions has to be based on, on winning over a mandate for those decisions. So I think, you know, Brexit, you know, Brexit hasn't quite happened yet. Um, but, it, but the issues are moving well beyond it. And you can see, even over the last 12 months, there has been a coalescence around all the people who have an anti-democratic instincts, have really picked up the climate change mandate and turned it into a climate emergency and a climate crisis. You can see it across the whole of Northern Europe and in some parts of America. And, it, and they're instinctively drawn to it, directly because of its undemocratic nature. So, 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 so sorry, just a few. So some of the things that we can do around it, I think are, for example, you know, it, lots of parents are very concerned about how their children are being manipulated uh, and being indoctrinated in school. You know, for example, parents against uh, scaring our children is one group that would, uh, you know, that, you know, if we only had a couple of people in the UK running that, it would, you, the, the number of stories that were coming from parents around the country were concerned about. Um, uh, you know, engineers for, for rational uh, energy policy. Okay. There are lots of initiatives that individuals could take. Can we pass? I think could be very effective. That's great. Thank you. you just pass on to the gentleman um, behind you. Thank you. In, as you know, I'm a member of the Conservative Party, but with a couple of friends who are members of the SDP, we're actually setting up a new pressure group and think tank in the autumn called Limehouse in order to push forward radical centre politics. Now, that might sound like an anachronism, but it's not. It is red Tory through Labour. But... I believe, and I think the message that's come out today for me is we need to create a bandwagon, just as the Brexit party, as a political party, but it didn't need to be, it's a pressure group, did with Brexit, we need to pick policies, create a bandwagon, because the party I belong to has been in charge of this country for the last 90 odd years, because it has to jump on bandwagons. No, thank you, that's great. I'll just pass it on to the lady at the front and then we'll bring it back to the panel. Can you hear me? <laughs> uh, my name's Sheila McNerney, so I just posed... If you wouldn't mind standing up, sorry. I just posed thank a you. question. Um, if we develop all these different pressure groups and small groups around particular issues, is there not a danger in diluting what's happening in the political world? Because at the same time, there are many, many political structures beyond the political parties 
that are actually in place, like elected mayors in this part of the country, um, local authorities and the billions and billions of pounds of decisions that they're taking every year about services and activities that will be of interest to all people. But whilst we're campaigning for small individual projects, these other day-to-day um, -day activities are still going on. So is there a danger in that? Mm. Sorry, we need a microphone. Um, I'm just letting the panel know they don't need to answer everything. As they said downstairs, they'll answer what they wish. Thanks. Um, yeah, so at the full Brexit, we talk about Brexit as a democratic moment without a democratic movement. And I think this, this um, energy and this possibility for experimentation is extremely, um, it's fantastic to see. I mean, you can talk about the end of the end of history that there was this period before Brexit where there was no real uh, battles between big ideas and now we're in this situation where things are a lot more, there's a lot more at stake. I mean, the point on climate change here, this I think is a really big danger for the left. One thing which we, I think, well, speaking from my point of view, we have to be really careful of is an idea around um, using supranational institutions to lock in quote-unquote good policies around climate change. And exactly as was, as was identified there, there's a real anti-democratic um, kind of heart of some of these, these uh, consultative processes like citizens' juries, citizens' assemblies, sortition, all of these things are anti-majoritarian. So I think the real challenge is how do we articulate a kind of left-wing politics which goes beyond the depoliticizing slogan, get Brexit done, that is a way to get that democratic energy, that democratic mo moment and just push it down. Um, how do we try and actually get all of that energy and put it into a, to a radical transformation of society? Well, the solution to that is free speech. And Marx described the uh, French peasantry as a sack of potatoes, right? And you just add them on, one, 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 and they can never get anywhere. Your point is exactly right. But it, the difference that he said that brings people together is politics, right? You have to have a political vision. So no group, small or large, is going to succeed unless it has a clarity of policy. But you don't get that by wishing it. You can't just say, let's have an organisation. Brexit ca and party came out of debate and discussion, a really serious moment, right? So you have to start debating in wherever difficult situation you find, have a debate about... Because you just can't... Now, I'm an absolutist on free speech, just like Frank, right? And people... I'm also interviewed and people will say, oh, there's nobody who's got an absolute view of any free speech, you know, there must be some restrictions. But I know that I don't want any restrictions, I will not have any. Right? That's a clarity of view that holds you together if you're putting forward a political policy. And you have to do that. We have to have more sessions like this, more debates, more discussion, and work out to go, or you'll go nowhere. Um, just to throw into the mix before I pass it on to everyone else, um, the idea of new political organisations. My question has always been, we've got, well, this is a predominantly left-wing panel, but we've got left, we've got right in Brexit. It's not a one-sided thing. And my problem is, is that, is it better to have a one umbrella organisation which includes everyone, just sort of going down to specifics, or is it better to have a plethora of a multitude? I mean, you know, you're a member of the Communist Party, right? You know, it, it, is, is that right to be in the same group as somebody from the Bruges group? Or is it better to have a multitude of little sort of smaller groups? So I think that's something we should discuss and try and sort of tease out. Let me just pass it on. Um, well, my own experience um, 
with the leaders of Manchester Group um, is that it's been such a strength, the fact that we are from across the political spectrum. And we'd be quite wary of, and, and, and I don't think it is wrong, I, I totally like what you're doing with this group in particular, UKLeft.eu, but I would be wary of setting something up that was supposed to be left-wing or right-wing. I think those terms have become meaningless. If someone calls me left-wing now, I see it as an insult. And you know, I'm sorry, but because some of this rubbish that gets spouted in the name of the left is just, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, but it has been wonderfully free of any sense of sectarianism within the leaders' groups, apart from the general election. And that was the first time it raised its head and it came from the, ard the more, not every Conservative Party member, but the more ardent Conservative Party members who seem to think Brexit's over now, Brexit party's over now, you've had your fun, go away and leave it to the grown-ups. And that was the only time it raised its head. It's died down a bit again, <laughs> but I think vast majority of people think that the Brexit party was a huge success. It was a massive success way back in May in the local elections, people went out and they spoiled their ballot papers in their, I don't know how many it was, because it was it's hard to count, isn't it? But it was a big deal, and I loved doing it. It was great fun. <laughs> um, and then in, then in June, uh, whenever it was, we had the Euro elections, and people went out and, and the general election, people voted Conservative because it was a useful tool. It made sure people got the message. So I don't think we need to worry about um, left and right, but we just need to be focused is right, not dilute, but we can't do, no one can do everything, but we can all do something, and it's being active and taking responsibility. Sorry. Yeah, that's alright, don't worry. I'll keep it brief, because I want to hear more from you and less from us, but I will say, yes, politics, yes, broad church. Why? Because one of the big issues that was a problem of the Brexit parties decision to only stand down against every Tory candidate cost us Labour votes in Labour areas and that focused their mind that perhaps we weren't a broad church and we needed to pull that back. There were other issues as well like the resignation of MEPs, uh, pension issues promised by Labour which were never going to be delivered but unless we are a broad church we will lose part of our support. So let's be a broad church, let's keep it broad. I'm proud to be left of centre. I'm also proud to call certain people in this party now long-term friends and long-term political colleagues. We'll now try and go back out to the audience. So we've got um, Matt Patton over there. And then... Uh, my name's Matthew Patton. I, I was a former chief of the Brexit party, so you won't be surprised to hear me say that. Actually, I think we've had a huge influence in terms of what happened. Um, yeah. over the last 12 months. Um, the irony was, although it was obviously disappointing that we did not get any MPs in in terms of the general election, the entire narrative and framework and outcome of the general election was framed, I would argue strongly, by the Brexit Party. So every, everybody involved in that process, you know, whether they were representatives, whether they were standing, whether they were campaigning, uh, I think deserve a huge amount of credit. I want to say about this conversation, though, which, which really sort of started with this idea of um, political parties or groups, is I think it depends on what we want or what you want. If you want um, power or if you want to have influence, 
Um, I think it's inevitable um, that in the world that we live in, kind of broadband, digitalization and communities, that you're gonna, we, we end up with lots and lots of different groups with different points of view, and not everybody's going to agree on everything. So getting everybody together is really, really hard. But if we're interested in power, um, there's one thing that most of those groups would agree with, which is you have to change the political system. Because history tells us that nobody gets power elected under the first-past-the-post system. So that is a really big joining thing, whatever the differences are so we can campaign on. If all we want to do those have influence, so we want to frame an agenda or a point, then I think we can have individual groups. Okay, thank you. And on to the gentleman over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to take a lady here. Uh, we're going to take one more person here. And then what we're going to do in the next round, I'll come to a couple of people. I'll move the mics to the back because we only have two. So we'll move them to the back and because I can see hands there. Exactly. Yes. So I'll just go to this lady here. Thank you. Hello. Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. So I think... Um, Brexit really flagged up the fact that there is um, an, uh, an appetite for democratic change in the country. And um, what I'm most interested in is what the vehicle for that change is going to be, because it seems like there's a lot of different ideas about how that would work, but we need to kind of work out what would be the most effective way of making change. Now, I was part of the um, Leavers of Liverpool group, and we were... Yeah, and we were really cross-party. We came from all different political backgrounds, and we acted locally. But but that is, a, I mean, I think there are some real limitations in local work. But the point about the Leavers groups is it had a bigger vision and it had a national presence as well. So it was kind of a network of groups around the country. I'm also um, in the UCU, the um, the Academics Union. And at the moment, I'm on strike. Um, and I think that some of the things that we're striking for are really good, but the more positive vision will be about the kind of university that we want, not the one that we've got at the moment. And there are lots of changes that need to be made in the university. Um, and so at my recent branch meeting, 
I raised this question of having a broader political vision about reconstructing the university, of making the university about the things that we want, about knowledge, you know, yeah. about um, and kind of bringing marginalisation out of it. You could just sum and up. The, yeah, so Sorry. The final, so the point is though that the, I was completely shouted down and told that the Tories that were going to be in power for 10 years, there's no point in doing anything political, um, so, the, so we just have to go and strike. But basically we're going to be striking every year because it's just, we're striking about a symptom rather than a problem. Uh, yeah. so, okay. So what, what I'm saying is, what do the panel, so my question okay, is, okay, okay. What, do the, what do the panel think is the vehicle for change? Okay. Um, <laughs> Oh, I know this isn't the best microphone, but I'm going to kind of shout into it. I'm literally going to take one more point here, go back to a couple of points here, and then I'll get the microphones to the back, so don't worry. Hi, um, my name is Leslie Rowe, um, formerly of the, uh, the Green Party, but uh, in May I was uh, elected a councillor, an independent councillor in uh, Richmondshire in, in North Yorkshire. Uh, and one of my policies, which is clear on my leaflet, was to, which is what I did as soon as I got in, was to um, call for a climate emergency motion at my local council, which was passed unanimously. And it is a very popular motion, so I disagree with you at the moment there quite profoundly. But the point about what I want to make is that politics, I think, should be about clarity. Um, I am um, um, a, a socialist, basically, and I wanted to see a socialist party that can uh, gain power in the United Kingdom. Now clearly the Labour Party has failed socialism. It, it is no longer, I, I believe, a socialist party. So I believe we must have, and we must, I know it's difficult, but I really do believe that the Lexit party is essential to the future of this, this country, just to provide the alternative. Okay. I mean, along with electoral reform, mm. which is also in discussion, but I really do feel okay. the party's in Thank you. I'm just going to pass it over to George to start off uh, a couple of people, and then I'll get the mics to the back, and then we'll ask, get a few points yeah, from I the think, back. I think my point follows on quite nicely from that, that question, and I would support that basic call for a socialist party. Labour is, um, I think, is, uh, is just not recoverable from this, uh, from this perspective. If you look at the, the denial um, shown in the leadership contest, contest especially in the person of Keir Starmer, the future direction is going to, the Labour Party is going to be a moral minoritarianism. So it's not going to be about building a majoritarian coalition. It's going to be about moral arguments and trying to win, win that way. But that, of course, is a complete dead end. So from the full Brexit point of view, we, we're going to be sort of coming to an end of this particular project. And I think in some ways, the Brexit Party has completed its, what, what it set out to do. So there is, there is a space there. Um, and I guess the, the real challenge is how we, how we actualize the, the demand for political influence that I think the 2019 um, election showed and the 27, uh, 2017 election showed and the 2016 referendum. So we had three votes which were all essentially the same, which is that we actually want control, we want popular sovereignty. And that, I think, is an, un, like an, um, an undeniably and uh, left-wing idea. But this is, the, this is the gap at the moment. Um, and I would like to say it's very easy, let's just set up a new party. But I think it's, yeah, I wish I had, I wish I had something easier than that. You just seem to forget, I mean, as soon as we start talking about debate and free speech, the next question is about organization. Okay. What sort of organization shall we have? Will it be socialist? Who knows? Like, you've not won the arguments, you've not even started the arguments. So to start by trying to work out what form you're gonna have is a complete and utter dead end.
Um, I'm just going to quickly say something before we pass it back to the audience. Um, just, just to bring it on to the Labour Party, obviously leadership contest going on. All polls indicate Keir Starmer will get it. You can disagree if you want. Um, but who is he is the architect of Labour's Brexit policy. So just to flow into all of your discussions, I just want to know, if he does win it, where is the ho political home for ex-Labour Brexit voters? And what are all your views? You know, if we're not going to set up a political party... What, what do they do? What, what do Lexiteers do? So just feed that into your points. And Mo's got the microphone back there. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dave Gannon. I'm, um, I am a Labour Party member. I'm actually the Movement's Education Officer for Folks. I'm also uh, the Armed Forces Veterans and Families Lead for HCLP. I'm the only Armed Forces Veterans and Families Lead that's actually a veteran in the Labour Party. There's one more role in Weaver Vale, um, and it's a public health worker doing that life in there. So uh, I, I was a soldier for a long time. I was. Uh, I was a soldier for the best part of like 16 years of my life. Um, I joined. That's not really is it? I'm following. <laughs> I joined the military because I believe in Tony Blair's humanitarian interventionist wars. Right. <laughs> Laugh now. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'll take the ribbon. Right. The only thing I want to say is that my best friend's actually a conservative who's ex-military and all. So when I say I'm not, I'm not like saying that I'm, I have a balanced view. My background is like balanced. Um, I believe in that like, now if you go to the hard left of the Labour Party, Everyone that I know wants to leave. I was a delegate at a conference, and I pushed to leave. Uh, I fought against the people's vote thing, because I thought it was just a Blairite vehicle to undermine the actual socialist movement itself. I believe that. I called Keir Starmer. Can we get to, if you wouldn't mind, getting to the point or question, if you wouldn't mind, because we haven't got a lot of time. The point, the point is, and the question is, that the majority, no one's talked about the military-industrial complex Right, and basically the economic drive and the drain on uh, towards war, and basically like what we should be doing. To, I think that we should be. There's like certain things that drive this industry. One of them is a lack of energy independence. So support the renewable energy stuff and the drive for renewable energy industry. Probably should have been reliant on fossil fuels. So no one can think of an excuse to invade anywhere. Another one's a hemp economy. Because you can like use hemp for loads of building materials, stuff like that. We should be, we need to be independent, you know, before mm. anything. So, okay. I'm just saying like the drivers for us to be independent and function as a country, we need to not be reliant on anyone for resources. So, if anyone's going to comment on that, please. Thank you. Okay, just pass on to somebody at the back who's also been waiting a long time. The lady there. Yes, yes, you're standing up. Excellent. Hi, my name is Warren. I'm Um. After life of being of I don't understand myself in that kind of situation. All I want is to see um, no human being suffering to get food, no human being is suffering to get shelter. So do I think that we need to put up a, a political party? I think we should. Reason being, um, Oh, it seems to be going on and off. Try the other one. There's another microphone just to you there. Sorry about that. 
we came together and worked together as a team. So I don't think that is a, that would be a very big issue for us. Um, this two-party system, for me, it drives me crazy because um, the people in parliament, I look at them more as career uh, politicians, mm. whereby they'll get their own bourgeois or um, rich, rich people to give them all these projects and they, whether they, they, they come up with a proper project or not, it's up to us, the, the, the local people yeah. who are going to suffer. I represent uh, the forgotten or unforgotten ones. Yeah. Because um, when you look at, I live in Greenwich, mm. all these cable cars, I don't use them. Mm. I still have to wait for the train. I still have to, so what's the point? My local hospital has been closed. Yeah. But when somebody is trying to say they are going to build hospitals, why don't you open up these old hospitals? Absolutely. So for somebody to wait five years and they will say, oh, look, we've done this. That is why Absolutely. I think we can come Thank together. you very much. We're just going to pass on. Uh, there's a gentleman at the back who I know is waiting. Thank you. Hi. Um, to my mind, when we talk about new parties, it's literally just personal disposition. Uh, I came from a kind of new labor background and I left the party and joined the SDP. Uh, other people, friends, and of course the uh, scholars who labor here uh, didn't leave. Um, I think it's literally just personal disposition. I'm not sure how much we can talk about a tangible force as a small party. I think some of us just decide to do it and some of us decide not to. Mm. I say about the labor left now with Galloway's new work party of Britain and uh, some people stay in more fighting than the party. I'm not sure if we can talk about viability so much as how people think and how people choose to manifest policies which are very much the same outside the party or inside the party with wings inside of uh, Very interesting. We're just going to take one more point here from Alka and then we'll bring it back to the panel and then I'll come back out to you guys. Thank you. Um, I think it's premature to talk about a party, not as I would like one. If you think about the formation of the Labour Party, it took quite a few decades, and it arose as people got more and more engaged in pursuing their own interests, and their interests weren't clarified as a single one-issue thing. It developed. Oh. And I think, I think what we have to do, um, thinking back to an earlier discussion, you can say, yes, Brexit, the general election has shown, we want people to listen to us. But we don't really know, quite know what we want them, what we want to say. Right? We haven't yet got what our ideas are. Um, we are reacting a lot to a lot of rubbish, crappy things, um, and that's good. We need to do that. But really, to really um, be able to develop our arguments and convince other people, which is the only way we'll grow anything democratically, we need to have a clearer idea of what we're for. Mm. Yet, look, having freedom doesn't just mean you automatically become you know, full of agency and clear vision. It's a messy process and we're just at the start of that. So somebody at the front mentioned parents against, what was it, parents against um, into scaring yeah, children. children. Fine, that, but you know, we can be more than that. We can mm. be parents who want a good liberal education for our children and that would bring us into contact with people who are teachers mm. who also would like to not be indoctrinating children but who would like to be teaching children and you begin to build alliances that way. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to, uh, thank you for all your hands. I'm just going to go to the panel quickly, get a couple of points and then we'll go back out to you guys. Thank you. 
Um, I agree, it's been said that um, it's premature to create a new party at the moment. I actually would go further than that, and I think it would not be learning from past mistakes. Um, 120 years ago, the Labour Party was created. It uh, came from um, trade unions and the organised working class, and we need to learn from that mistake, because that's what it was. I think it was a backward step. At the time, it was working people thinking, we need other people to sort politics out for us, so we'll, we, we, we'll subcontract it. And we're, we, we bought into the whole notion that what we have, parliamentary democracy, is democracy. It isn't. It was a bit better than what the EU Parliament was, but we have had 42 months <laughs> lesson showing us how undemocratic our British democracy at the moment is. So let's not repeat the mistakes we've made in the past. It is foggy and it is frustrating because we want a clear vehicle. I think the idea of having a um, let's change politics for good network is the first step. Um, and it can bring in all these different groups, and that could be our national framework, and something eventually, when we're a bit clearer, will, will evolve, I think. But at the moment, it's exciting, and all ideas, and free speech. <laughs> to pass it on, and then we'll come Sorry. back out. Sorry, and short speech. <laughs> I'll stand up so those at the back can both see in here. I'm, I was proud for 40 years to be a member of a Labour movement, a trade union movement. I'm proud that in 2016, I left the Labour Party before the Labour Party left me. Because that is what's happened. <clears throat> I didn't want to be a sandal-wearing socialist. This is what Labour has become. It's lost the policy. And I agree with the uh, lecturer, something I've been saying for 40 odd years. Let's deal with the cause and not just the symptoms. So when we're setting up a new political approach, let's go back to what people are arguing about. What is it that people are fed up with? And it's fed up with people being lectured, which is why we're not here to lecture today. We're here to listen and we're here to respond. And unless we can give the community out there, that rebellion will pass us by. I don't want to be part of somebody who goes and lectures again to the community. I want to be part of that rebellion that has gone on out there. Rossdale is a party of the cooperative. And I say today, before you leave, meet Councillor Alan McCarthy, who was my veterans uh, member on the council. He's our only Brexit councillor in Rochdale. We were the first ones in the country to sign the Armed Forces Covenant. And the stick I got for that in Labour at the time was incredible. They left me, not me leaving them. Um, just a quick thing to throw in. We need to have a think about what our aims are as a Eurosceptic movement after Brexit. What are the aims? Is it to remain outside the European Union? Is it to influence the negotiations, help other European countries? These are the things that you know, we're all touching upon, and I would love to hear what you guys have to say. So just passing it out, we're going to start with a couple of people at the back who I know have been waiting forever, and then we'll bring it forward. That guy, gentleman with the hand up on the right, he's been waiting for a long time.
believe is, is uh, he means what he says, but I think, I believe, our movement believes that we need to keep up the pressure. Let them know that we are watching, we are listening all the time to make sure that they do what they say they're going to do. Thank you. Uh, this gentleman here. Mark from Greenland. Uh, after four years of turmoil, I think we need to ask ourselves what has actually worked in all of this process as a vehicle for change? Clearly, the key one was the referendum itself. And the fact that there was a popular demand a campaign to get that referendum, which ran across parties and ran for many, many years, and at one stage included people like the Greens and the Liberal Democrats who then campaigned not only against us in the referendum, but then aboard the results. We should be demanding more referenda like this. They're a very successful way of people having command over the politicians. Questions like social care, assisted dying, the House of Lords abolition have tortured the Commons. They've just been unable to reach a pro proper decision, and yet the public's mind is largely made up. I think independence, standing for local authorities, that's worked. They were the people who actually seriously won the election last summer. Um, as the Tories were absolutely hammered and people despaired of established political parties. All of us have been campaigning outside political parties as well as within them. That works. Meeting up in local groups, things like Leaders of Britain and the other meetup groups, campaigning around debate, like the Battle of Ideas does. That works. We need to put some more effort into that. Now a controversial one. First past the post works. We would not have had the referendum in 2016 had the Tories not won in 2015. You can just sum and up. That, that way of electing politicians, appalling as most of them are, gives us traction over them. Okay, so thank don't you. Let's distract ourselves with the question of a new political party. Thanks There's very much. Out there, the gentleman at the back now. And I feel incredibly frustrated actually because I think we did really well. We got a good third place. We knocked the Greens and the Lib Dems into a cocktail. And um, I think that you know there is there is this vacuum now, which is all you know, between Labour and the Tories. And there's a, a, an opportunity because I think I think the Tories can't turn around the economy the way they're going. I mean, yes, they'll get us out of Brexit, and that's how they won the election. They won the election not on a Brexit party ticket. But now we had a momentum going. I think we should take it forward. Mm. You know, I really do. Interesting. Yeah, interesting there's point. So much frustration in this country about you know, for example, HS2. You talk. We talk about referendum. There should have been a referendum on spending 110 million pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Excellent. Um, and just to the lady in the front, Tegan, and then uh, there is one gentleman in the corner who's been waiting a long time, and then we're going to go back to the panel. Hello, my name's Tegan. So for me, I mean, people talk about power and influence, but I don't necessarily think you need to have power to do anything, and I think influence can be, uh, you can get influence without direct politics. What I want to talk about is like an ongoing conversation platform. We talk about our politics and the politicians. Our politics is people. Mm. Why are we still, even in this room today, when people have been making their comments, they spent more time talking about themselves, they're actually talking about the conversation. They're speaking about themselves and not the conversation. So let's have a conversation rather than focusing direct politics, 
Right, this gentleman here, and then we'll bring it back to the panel for a bit. Um, 12, 12 months ago, the, the term Brexiteer, the term Leaver, the term Remainer actually meant something. It meant something before we were due to leave in March last year, it meant something before we were due to leave in October, and it meant something before the general election. But actually now, I think those terms don't mean that much anymore. Brexiteer, uh, lever, remainer, you know, now we've kind of left the European Union, I don't think those terms mean anything uh, anymore in the way in which they definitely used to. And you can see that the way in which, you know, the, the general kind of discussion around it has, has really changed. And I think we've got to be very aware of that. Uh, we need to be aware of the languages that we use, you know, when people talk about left and right. Was talking about. Um, I'm not on left and on the far right. Actually, it depends on whether you know you're looking at the speaker or, or you are. <laughs> um, so I do think that when it comes to terminology, certain terminology used to mean something, and we need to be very aware of that moving into the future. That people interpret things in a very different way. Okay. Um, just a. Uh, I'm just going to ask a quick question. We're going to have a couple of points, and then I will bring it back for the last time. Um, I just wanted to ask George. One of the interesting points brought up by you guys about more referendums, more referenda. Um, is that the way forward? Is that the route to more democracy, direct democracy, Switzerland, chuck a load of stuff in? Anyway, I'm going to pass this to George. Um, I think a lot of people in the room probably are in support of that, but personally, I think it's, a, it's too easy an answer. I mean, I think more referenda respond to a situation of depoliticization and a lack of political representation by just short-circuiting the need for those things. I mean, there's so many problems, so many questions. Who gets to set the questions that we have referendum on? referenda on it doesn't actually really get that democratic moment as i said earlier of brexit and make it into a movement make it into a, a into an organized and um coherent force that can actually implement a full vision of, of society it's very very piecemeal so i would actually be be against that okay interesting and then some points i just want to say something about conversation because um in the universities one thing that brexit did it exposed what people really felt about ordinary people the sheer contempt for the ignorance, mm. right? And I think sometimes it creeps through in the conversation because, you know, I see ordinary people as having agency and having the ability to have clear political thought. They're not just reacting to misery and the situation. They're actually thinking, I thought they'd vote to be free of the EU. That was a conscious political choice, right? So, and I think that was really important to understand that. They're not just people there who react to things. They're human beings with agency. And you've always got to check what you're saying to them, that you're going to organise for them. You know, you're going to be one of those sort of organisations that's always at a distance. I'm not arguing for any particular form, but treat people with respect as human beings capable of agency. Right, we've literally got about three or four minutes, so I'm going to try and get it back to you guys, but we want the points to be as short and sweet as possible, and if I'm horrible, that's life. Um, man in the corner who's been waiting forever. Yes? Well, that's true, but okay. <laughs> I just wanted Let's to back to what colleagues have said. Been waiting I'm all for speed, the faster the better. Oh, okay. But we have so oh, much yeah, ideological yeah, ground yeah, still yeah, to clear. How many people know who the Commissioner for Innovation is? Innovation and youth, I should add, in the European Union, hands up. All right, well, usually it's Remainers who know nothing about the EU, but this time it's us. Our policy, they renamed it. 
Innovation now means cultivating a green layer of youth that will support the EU in believing that there's a climate emergency and therefore democratic freedoms, especially those of older generations, should be curtailed. I'm delighted to debate this with our green friends here. And that okay. confirms me in the view that we're at the front of the process before we rush to make a new party. Okay, and uh, the man here who's got his... Yes, yes. Um, I'd just like to say that I think referenda are the way to go forward. And Brexit was all about an issue. When, when the issue was put to the people, they made a vote. But we're all here because of the reaction to the outcome. It wasn't implemented. And that is what is driving the passion. So it shouldn't be about a Brexit party going forward, but about a response to democracy and implementing the referenda of all the issues. Interesting point. Thank you. Thank you for keeping it short and sweet. Um, and the gentleman there. What we need is engagement, and whatever it takes to get engagement, is, I think, good. And I don't think we should shut down any of the possibilities. The other thing we definitely need is to be able to defend free speech, because one of the things that shuts down engagement very, very quickly is when I'm sure everybody in this room has been called a racist or a voting progressive. Mm. Everybody in this room has been castigated as a fascist. Uh, we need to really resist that kind of language. Um, and anything, any organization that does that, I think is worth us all supporting. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, John Kelly at the front here. Thank, thank you, Laura. Um, this is going to be a very quick point because I am primed of Laura. Um, Fair point. The, Reasonable. The point about referendum that was, was being made, um, we had two referenda in the northwest in recent years. One was whether we should have a mayor of Greater Manchester, and the other one was whether we should have a congestion charge. If you look on the motorway, you will see some C signs showing that the congestion charge is still very firmly on the agenda, and you will also see that we've got a very nice mayor of Manchester. Democracy is the main issue here, and it's the main driver for the reasons why we need to continue this process with the atmosphere that's in this room. Um, and then uh, the lady there, oh, Mo. Yeah, Mo. Um, I think I'm right in saying that Brexit was the most class-correlated vote in a very long time. Um, but here we are talking about Brexit and about politics without much, if any, reference to class. If left and right are becoming useless, baggy terms without much meaning, isn't that precisely because we've lost that language of class and that class consciousness? And so I'm asking the panel, I suppose, is recovering that, the route to understanding what our common interests are, and thus ultimately to creating a political movement with a clear direction? Oh, interesting point. Uh, gentleman here. Yeah, I was actually going to say something kind of similar to that. Like, I think maybe when we're thinking bigger than Europe gets to what our politics... Just move the microphone a little bit closer, perfect. Not our politics, but like in the future, I do actually think maybe reviving left and right is, is actually a decent thing, because I think they do give clear alternatives, points of identification for the public. And I don't understand, so we need to reformulate what these things look like, but they offer alternative visions of the future, and I do think that's what we need to get back to, and that's fine, isn't it? Because there are conflicts in society, I think, class ones, which are irreconcilable. I mean, we need some expression at the representative level. Perfect. Thank you very much. Just the last couple of points. Right. Um, so I, I think it's clear to me that there's a political vacuum. I don't think either of the, the two main parties uh, offer a way forward. I'm not interested in trying to um, wave my hands so the, the, the Conservatives are attracted to what I've got to say, and I think the Labour Party is. Uh, 
uh, offers no um, solutions to everybody. But so it's clear that we need what I would call a, a radical populist movement. That, that's for sure, because some of these don't fill that vacuum. But that doesn't mean that we need yet. I think a, a radical populist party, because even when it comes to uh, you know, council elections, general elections, you know, there's, there's, there's a discussion to have that. You don't need a party to do that. You okay. Thank you very much. And last point from this lady at the front here. Hi, I'm Ruth. I am actually from Switzerland. I'm not sure that referendums are actually dissolutions. Because in Switzerland, just to give an example, we have referendums every three months. And it's usually on three different things. And Kevin was saying the important thing is to get engagement. But actually, we're having too many referendums and people are not engaging. So if we have a 30% participation rate, that's pretty good. So I, 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 it's something to look into, but the debate, I think, is more important rather than the number of referendums we have. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, I, I know this has gone incredibly quickly, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass it back onto the panel. They're all going to have 60 seconds. It was 90, and then I let you guys speak more. So it's 60 seconds, and they will all give you and try and answer some of the points they've made. I'd be very grateful, guys. 60 seconds, a new movement, yes, but for the right reasons and not for people's egos and not for the sake of it. Mm. Also, let's be clear, I'm happy to defend the fact that I've always wanted to control our borders. Why? Because when I left the house today, I locked my front door, I locked my back door. Not to keep everybody out, but to keep out those who I didn't want coming in. It is not racist to defend your country or be a patriot, so therefore be proud of that. Nigel and the movement brought about the referendum. The last two years brought about us leaving the EU. It's your strength that did it. Keep that strength going and let's move forward for democracy. Um, yeah, that was great. Good luck. You can follow that, but I'll do it very quickly. Um, key things are um, the, the representatives that we have that exist at the moment, we need to m let them know we are making them accountable. As has been said, democracy is key, but it's the accountability. It's not the voting, and yes, I agree, it is the debate. So let's have our movement, however we make it, it's going to be a movement, and it's going to make the politicians do what we say. Everything that's been of any value has come from the people, never from a political party. The Labour Party did not create the NHS. Don't let them kid you that. <laughs> I'm going to finish with I'm going to finish with this free speech argument that you can use and probably use amongst yourselves. Is that people will often say I'm in favour of free speech, and the next word is but uh, the butters. There's always a but, and you can have great fun by just asking people, do they believe in free speech? And they'll say, yes, I do. But and if you expose the butters, you'll start making some headway in defending free speech. So where, where are we today? I think the question of new parties, new campaigns, new think tanks has been raised almost negatively. The failure, uh, the breaking of the British left by Brexit, the Gilets jaunes in France, the failure of social democracy across the continent, the failure of left populism, Syriza, Corbyn, Podemos, all over. So what do, we, what do we do? And I think what we're really lacking at the moment is a positive vision of society. Um, and I think this is a really slow process. It's going to take a long time. And personally, I think the, the point, the question made around talking about class, I think this is absolutely mm, crucial. Yeah, yeah. And my, I mean, personally, I think extending the call for democracy that was at the heart of Brexit to economic democracy, that is a lot of thinking that we need to do. It's not immediately a party, but that is 
I think the, the, the first step. Right, um, just a couple of points from me. First of all, um, the hairy guy just told me to tell you there's tea and coffee downstairs. Um, you've got half an hour to have your tea and coffee before your next session, so don't be late is what I was told. Oh, don't leave yet. Hold on, I'm not done. That was very rude, everyone. Anyway, more about me, thank you very much. Um, unbelievable. Okay, so um, that's the first thing, tea and coffee. Um, but more important, and then also UK left things, that pieces of paper I've left out for you. If you've got any questions about it. We need help. We need speakers. We need people who have links to schools. Go speak to the hairy guy or me, the less hairy one, and uh, we would love your help. But more importantly, what I'd like to do is give a massive, massive thank you to everyone on this panel who has attempted to answer your questions. Um, and your questions, thank you to all of you for your questions and your comments because it was as much about you guys as it was about these ones on the panel. So, and thanks to Mo again for organising such an amazing event. So thank you all guys. <laughs>